Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you learn about the brightest star ever, why immune cells in your brain may have started out in your gut, and why we call computer glitches bugs. Let's satisfy some curiosity. What's the brightest star in the sky? Trick question. To us, it's the sun. The brightest star in the night sky, though, is Sirius, known as the Dog Star. But what about the brightest star ever? That honor goes to a really, really massive celestial object called a Wolf Rayet star. Our sun may be bright, but it's got nothing on these things. Wolf Rayet stars don't start their lives as the universe's brightest, but they are born big. They start out at least 20 times as massive as our sun, and that's where the trouble begins. See, just like you need to digest food for energy, stars need to fuse elements to keep on shining. For our sun, that means fusing hydrogen, the lightest element, into helium, the second lightest. Bigger stars fuse those into even heavier elements, from carbon to oxygen, all the way to iron. Ideally, all the energy blasted outward from that fusion is balanced by the star's gravity pulling inward, and the star can happily survive for billions of years. But if a star is big enough, that process goes a lot faster. As a wolf Rayet star runs from heavier elements to heavier elements, the energy it creates starts to exceed the gravity it takes to keep everything together. This energy is what makes Wolf Rayet stars so hot and bright. They burn 10 times hotter and shine millions of times brighter than our sun. But that energy-gravity imbalance leads to intense winds that strip away the star's outer layers. And as the star loses elements to the universe, it starts to run out of stuff to fuse. Once fusion stops, there's no more outward pressure. And the only force left is the squeeze of gravity. At that point, it explodes as a supernova, and its core implodes to become a black hole. But there's a happy ending to the story. The high-energy winds that blow off the star's outer layers, they carry newly fused elements out into the universe, where they can play a role in the formation of everything, from new celestial objects to life itself, yours included. Every element in your body was fused in the core of a star. I know we just dropped this Carl Sagan quote a few weeks ago, but it bears repeating. We're all made of star stuff. Your immune system has got your back. And your butt. And your brain. Now, surprising new research shows how some immune cells get training in the gut before shipping out to protect the brain and spinal cord from pathogenic invaders. So the nervous system is very, very important. It's also pretty vulnerable. But there's usually no need to worry because the immune system works really hard to protect those sensitive sites from ne'er-do-well viruses, bacteria, protists, fungi, and uh, parasitic worms. Yeah, brain worms are a thing. All those intruders are constantly trying to figure out how to slip past the immune system and invade the nervous system, where they can finish their life cycle and reproduce. One place where they have a better than average chance of getting through is the network of veins that carry blood from the brain back to the heart. This is a potential vulnerability for two reasons. 
First, those veins are really close to the brain. And second, the blood in those veins doesn't move very fast. It's basically a lazy river that slowly drains into the heart. That makes it easier for pathogens to accumulate and work their way into the brain. That all sounds scary, but the immune system is really good at what it does. That's why when researchers looked closely at the immune cells patrolling that neck of the woods, they expected to find some fascinating defensive strategies. And boy, did they! What they found were immune cells typically associated with the mucous membranes that surround the gut and the lungs. But these immune cells were in the brain, specifically in the outer layer of the meninges. That's the three-ply envelope of connective tissue that surrounds the brain and protects it from pathogens. These immune cells are called immunoglobulin A, or IgA cells, and they're trained to produce antibodies against particular microbes. And the researchers suspected that they got that training in the gut. To find out, they compared the IgA cells in regular mice to those in germ-free mice, which are raised in clean environments so their guts don't contain any microbes. The germ-free mice had almost no IgA cells in their meninges. Then the researchers took some of those germ-free mice and carefully built their gut microbiomes from scratch. And wouldn't you know it, IgA cells showed up in their meninges. That all suggests that microbes in the gut play a critical part in developing immune cells that protect the brain. As the final smoking gun, the researchers compared the DNA in IgA cells in the gut with DNA from IgA cells in the meninges. The two shared a ton of genes, which suggests that they're very closely related. This is just the beginning of research into IgA cells in the meninges, but even this early work shows that the body is doing some pretty cool things to keep the brain safe. And one of those things seems to be immune cell boot camp in the gut. Well done, soldiers. Chances are you haven't listened to every episode of Curiosity Daily ever. I mean, there are more than 700 of them. So, once a week, we remaster one of our favorite classic clips to help you satisfy your curiosity. Here's a gem from 2018. Have you ever wondered why we call computer glitches bugs? Well, today we've got the answer. This is about one of my favorite female scientists. Is it really? Yeah. The story behind the bug comes from this woman, Grace Hopper. She was the first woman to receive a PhD in mathematics from Yale. She helped create the first compiler for computer languages. And she was the first woman to receive the National Medal of Technology. There's also an annual Grace Hopper celebration of women in programming, so she's kind of a big deal. Anyway, the urban legend is that in 1943, Hopper found a moth stuck inside a computer while she was working for the U.S. Navy. According to the Navy's website, this was the first use of the term bug in the computer context. A few of the story's details are disputed, like the exact model of computer she was working on and the exact year that this happened, but for the most part, the story is accurate. There is a discrepancy that comes from whether this actually was the first use of the term bug. According to the Oxford English Dictionary, the bug nickname first appeared in 1889 in a newspaper description of Thomas Edison. He had also used the term in his private journals as far back as 1876. He imagined little scapegoat bugs trapped in his glitchy machines, like the phonograph. He compared them to literal bug infestations, noting in a letter that technological bugs would show up after a long time not noticing them. Kind of like how you don't notice roaches when you look at a potential new apartment, but you sure do find them once you've moved in. 
So why does Grace Hopper get so much credit for the term? Smithsonian's Peggy Aldrich Kidwell told the New York Times, quote, Dr. Hopper told a good story, unquote. Like that time I made fetch happen. Remember that, Ashley? Sure, Cody. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, let's do a quick recap of what we learned today. Starting with the fact that Wolf Raya stars are 10 times hotter and millions of times brighter than our sun. Sorry, son, you're number one in our hearts. And that's because they're so big that they start to fuse heavier and heavier elements. And the energy that it takes to do that starts to be more than the energy it takes to keep them together. And that usually means they are going to go supernova and their core is going to collapse into a black hole. And then they're going to shed all those heavy elements into the universe so they can create life, which is cool. That's the sound effect of a black hole being formed. I like it. You're really, I, I like this new hobby of space sound effects you're doing. Sourcing high quality audio that's rare and difficult to get. Look, I'm an, I'm an extraordinary producer. I'll, I'll give myself that. <laughs> we also learned that some of your immune cells go to boot camp in your gut before they get deployed to your brain. Turns out your body's doing some pretty cool things to keep your brain safe, which is good because your, your brain's kind of important. You think about your microbiome and you're like, oh, it helps with digestion. And then you start to learn, oh, it also helps with brain health. And then you start to learn, oh, it also helps with your immune system in your brain. It's just amazing. We have non-human species that are literally keeping us alive. Right? That's, that's incredible. It's a team effort. And we also learned that we probably call glitches bugs because of Grace Hopper, who found a moth in a U.S. Navy computer in 1943. Although the term bug had been used in Thomas Edison's private journals many years earlier. But Hopper gets the credit because, according to the Smithsonian, she just told a good story. I mean, that's fair. (laughs) Good summary. (laughs) (laughs) Today's stories were written by Ashley Hamer, Grant Curran, and May Rice. And edited by Ashley Hamer, who's the managing editor for Curiosity Daily. Script writing was by Cody Goff and Sonia Hodgen. Today's episode was produced and edited by Cody Goff. Shine bright like a diamond or like a wolf rye star. And then join us again tomorrow to learn something new in just a few minutes. And until then, stay curious. Stay curious.